Well, welcome to Psychology of the Bible, where we've been looking at the Word of God to see uh, what it has to teach us about the human mind and, and really the, the overall human experience. My name is David Huff, and I'm here with Ed DeRoe, counselor uh, extraordinaire. And, and I just want to go ahead and start off with the idea. Uh, we're talking about forgiveness, and I'll go ahead and admit right up top, I struggle with forgiveness. I struggle with forgiveness, and yet... The Bible makes me think that Jesus was obsessed with forgiveness, that he never stopped talking about it, how he had to forgive others. He had parables that spoke of God forgiving us and expecting his creation to forgive others. Jesus portrayed forgiveness uh, you know, in multiple areas of his life. Uh, we know as followers of Christ, we're supposed to forgive. And yet, Ed, I will be honest, I find it much, much, much easier to hold on to grudges than I do to forgive. I mean, I know I'm not alone. Is it possible that, you know, even when I do forgive, it's really more delayed anger or, uh, you know, some sort of a form of trying to alleviate myself? But what I want you to do, Ed, is if you'll just start off walking us through forgiveness, why it's important, why we need it. Uh, I like to throw you big overarching questions for you to solve. Why do, we, why do I need to forgive? Why do I need to enter into the struggle of forgiveness? Yeah, I love that you say it that way. I love that you call it the struggle of forgiveness because I, I want to just say right off the bat um, that there's been an ugly lie out there that has caused people to cringe around the topic of forgiveness, that forgiving is forgetting. Uh, it's not. It absolutely is not. And, and the reason that's so dangerous, if people then don't forget, they then say, oh, does that mean I haven't forgiven? Does that mean I'm, you know, uh, harboring some awfully, you know, some horrible grudge? And no, you... you you're processing through the journey of forgiveness, and it is indeed difficult. Um, Tim Keller once famously said that the currency of forgiveness is nails and wood, talking about Jesus dying on the cross, and that, that, that forgiveness is indeed hard work. And it, it does involve uh, letting go of grudges, but it also involves learning from our mistakes and being willing to process through the hurt in a healthy way. And one of the things I want to do in this podcast is talk about what it is to forgive and what it is to seek forgiveness, as in those are kind of two sides of the same coin. We can't fully appreciate what it is to forgive if we don't also know that we also need forgiveness. Uh, and we all need forgiveness from God that he gives to us. And with that, we need, all need to show the grace and forgiveness towards one another that we are commanded to. Um, it's also for practical reasons, because a lot of human conflict is actually two-way. You know, David, if you and I got into it and got in a big, ugly fight, we would both walk away probably with some need to forgive one another and also the need to realize that we need to seek and accept forgiveness from the other person. So you say, yeah, I said or did this part, and that was my part in this, and I, I apologize. And, and all too often, I, I see sometimes Christians be a little condescending and self-righteous and say, well, I forgive you. Right. I forgive you for your horrible wrongdoing. Right. I forgive you. And they won't say at any point, I also realize I messed up here, yeah. you know, and, and it can come across as very self-righteous, yeah. you know, for and sure. so and there's I, a I lot of that, a lot of that conversation in the church for sure, where we're the ones going to try to get ahead of it, or we're the ones that are going to try to be the bigger person and it, and it doesn't ever feel healthy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it, it can be very passive aggressive. 
And we'll get more into that, but I do want to quote that uh, beautiful verse from Matthew, where Jesus says, uh, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so what he's saying is, don't think that you can pursue some beautiful act of righteousness, a sacrifice at the altar, beautiful prayer, some public display of holiness. Well, there's also some ugly grudge happening somewhere else in your life between you and your brother and your neighbor. And this is actually a passage about seeking forgiveness. This is realizing, hey, this person feels wounded by me. It's not, he's not saying, hey, you need to go forgive this person. He's saying, you need to go seek this person's forgiveness for how you messed up. You know, and those two things often do come hand in hand with each other because part of forgiving someone who has wronged us is realizing that their own process of repentance is a rocky one. And part of repenting and seeking forgiveness is realizing the other person's process of forgiving us is its own rocky process. And so you have to forgive them for being imperfect at forgiving. Does that make sense? It does. In other, and, it does. And, and that the gospel is, and I've said this before, it's annoyingly relational in that it, our forgiveness is intertwined with our ability to forgive others. And, and the forgiveness that we need from God is both intertwined with our ability or need to forgive others as well. And, and it can be frustrating, but we keep wanting to parse out our relationship with God as being, you know, me and God, and I don't need anybody else. And I can get forgiveness from him, but we don't realize that, that God keeps connecting us back to one another um, and tying that together. And, and when we don't forgive others, we end up putting ourselves in like a mental, emotional, and really physical bondage. But the message of Jesus is that he is inviting us to have the same posture towards forgiveness as he takes with us. And in, in Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter uh, came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And I think this is such a like I can really relate to this question, right? As a, as a human being and, and specifically as a human being who chose to follow Christ, I always want to go, okay, how many times do I have to keep letting people sin against me? How many times do I have to keep letting problems happen where I forgive? And, and, and what I do is the same thing that Peter does. He says, as many as seven times seven or as many as seven times. And, and, and this is uh, an honest sort of, trail of like, okay, I'm going to try to give you something. You know what I mean? Seven times seems like a lot, right? And Jesus is like, no, I tell you not as many as seven. Jesus says, but 70 times seven, which is the numerical example of infinity uh, that we are to forgive an infinite amount of times. And this goes against, you know, the teachings that, that Peter would have been under. This goes against the uh, cultural examples that we've been, uh, that have set in our world. Um, and yet that's what the gospel does is it cuts through all of that. And it keeps telling us we got to keep forgiving. And it shows how important it is that we do extend forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to say that forgiveness can be a bit like electricity. That electricity doesn't... Uh, <clears throat> merely power our appliances like our vacuum cleaner merely by flowing into it. There are two plugs in the outlet wall because it needs to flow through it. It goes into and it goes out of it. And so we, our spiritual life, our sanctification, our ability to be regenerated and, and to come alive in the grace of God is a matter of not just receiving forgiveness or just giving receiving 
giving forgiveness, but allowing that grace to flow through us. Say, yeah. yes, I'm willing to show grace and forgiveness. I also am willing to accept that I need it. And it is flowing through us. And just like electricity needs to not just flow into the vacuum cleaner, if all yeah. it does is flow into the vacuum cleaner and there's no way out, your vacuum cleaner is not going to run, right? It, it needs to flow through the vacuum cleaner. And because of that, the vacuum cleaner will run and suck up dirt. You know? Well, and, <laughs> and I mean, working with that analogy, running. like that's kind of what you expect with a vacuum cleaner. It's a posture that yeah. the vacuum cleaner has. And, and so mm -hmm. instead of us kind of seeing forgiveness maybe as an isolated event, but maybe we transition mentally into just having this posture of forgiveness, knowing that as human beings, we are always going to be bumping into one another. We're always going to be, you know, having these yeah. interactions that, that have the potential to be harmful. But if we have this posture, it's not like an isolated event, like this happened, so then I have to do this, but it's always walking with this ability to just go, hey, this happened, I'm going to, I'm going to have this posture of forgiveness, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that that posture of forgiveness and the need for forgiveness for me is, is essential for healing spiritual injuries. We've talked in previous podcasts about spiritual injuries that, uh, that when Jesus equated in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, harboring resentful thoughts to murdering one another, uh, he was not only speaking to, wow, it's really important to forgive and to, to release people of grudges, but it's also important to realize that we can really hurt each other. You know, he's he's equating our own inner anger, not even just what we do externally, to to murder. Like, and and because we're created in the image of God, we all have emotions similar to what God felt in Scripture, and we also all have this tremendous capacity as beings created in the image of God to really wound each other, hmm. and not just physically, but with our words, with passive aggressive snubs, with judgmental condescending comments. You know, these things hurt, you know, um, so it's, it's really important to realize, wow, we can really hurt each other. And that's a big deal. And that's why grace and forgiveness are such an ongoing daily need yes. in, in the Christian life, not just, uh, Hey, you know, I got forgiven by Jesus 20 years ago when I answered an altar call and I'm all good now. And I don't want to hear any more of this, you know, conflict and ongoing need for repentance. And I, I hear that sometimes from Christians. And I think that's so sad, right. you know, I, I like to say, Imagine I told you, uh, yeah, I, I took this really great cleansing shower 20 years ago, and I haven't showered and since because it was so beautiful and cleaned me yeah. so well 20 years ago. And it's like that that's where repentance and confession are supposed to be in our life is we're supposed to keep coming back to the cross. Yeah. You know, yeah. when people ask me when I came to Jesus, I say, you know, I had this important moment when I was 12 years old and I can talk about that. But I also try to keep coming back to the cross every day. And the better days are the ones that I do. Yep. Right? Our souls remind me more of our minivan than they do anything else. I clean it and, you know, I've got three kids. They get in it. We take a trip and it's filthy again, you know, and it's got to be cleaned right. again. And that's that's kind of the way we are. It's the, you know, the residue on the coffee cup or whatever. It's just a constant reminder that we need we need to be forgiven. And in order to receive forgiveness, we've got to be we've got to create that posture of, of forgiving others. But I mean, if I'm honest, I, I'd, I'd admit that there are people in my life that they don't deserve forgiveness. Like I wrestle with this idea that there are people that have hurt me or have hurt others in, in such a horrific way that it, it doesn't warrant practically offering forgiveness, right? There are people who don't deserve to have forgiveness. They deserve to have people hold things over their head for the remainder of their life. 
um, and, and I have struggled with this because it, I know culturally and practically they deserve this. They don't deserve forgiveness. And you could think of someone on, you know, who's, who's maybe, you know, murdered your family on death row. And, you know, you're like, nah, they don't deserve that. Or someone who's, you know, taken part in the, the child trafficking ring or whatever. And you're like, they don't deserve that. Yet what I realize is if I hold on to grudges because I'm angry, I actually feel powerful. I feel strong. But to set that anger aside actually takes real strength. That the real strength is not in holding something over someone, even when they deserve it. That's easy. Like I can find anyone on the street, uh, you know, and, and go, hey, would you hold this over someone because of how horrific they are? And to be like, yeah, that's an obvious answer. But the real strength, at least for me, actually takes setting that anger aside and being able to uh, give the gift of forgiveness to someone that I need myself, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's important to uh, delineate between spiritual forgiveness and the practical need for justice. Yeah. Uh, if you and I were to you know, uh, do private investigation and capture a guy who's actually uh, a terrorist or involved in some child right. trafficking, and he's like really into it, uh, and we suddenly decide to forgive him and set him free, we'd be doing a great injustice to society because he'd be out right. there doing it again. Right. Yep. And so there's a practical need to say, no, no, he needs to be brought to justice and there needs to be consequences. And that doesn't mean we're being unforgiving. Uh, what would be unforgiving is after we've turned him into the police and with, with all the evidence, can we then pray for and hope for his yeah. redemption and his eventual salvation? Or do we sit here thinking, yeah, that guy's going to go to hell. That's where yeah. he belongs. You know, right. well, that would mean we're, we're trying to play God and that we're being unforgiving. Right. Yeah. And there's the real fruit of forgiveness is like, of course, there needs to be the practical application of justice. But with that, we need to constantly be evangelically longing for the salvation, even of the worst of sinners. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're all kind of terrible sinners. Right. right. We Christ. can't break the world down into heroes and villains. We're all villains uh, at, our own, at, an, at our own level. And yet the gospel also reminds us there are consequences to sin. I mean, it's a practical and a spiritual example of what's happening. There are consequences to our behavior and, and it would be no different than going out and, um, you know, stealing a car and then saying, God, forgive me. Well, I still have to pay the, the penalties for stealing that car, right. even though I know if I'm honest and earnestly seeking a repentance from God and, and repentance may be a little bit different than forgiveness, but it would be turning a different direction. Uh, in my life, then then I know I still have to pay those consequences. Uh, so even though we may forgive someone on a death row or, or someone who's harmed your family, or it could be something as simple as someone who's you know said some pretty mean things to your face, we can we can give the gift of forgiveness, uh, but yet those consequences are still there. And I think we also have to be careful to set up boundaries moving forward. Um, you know when. Um, you know, Paul is, or Peter is asking, hey, how many times do I forgive? And Jesus is saying 70 times seven. I don't necessarily know that it's practical. Uh, and I don't know that Jesus would go, yeah, but just go right back into that person's life and trust them at the same level and, you know, allow them to watch your kids and hang out with them again. Like, I do think we have some responsibility to set boundaries up in our lives also to prevent future hurts. Um, do you want to speak to that at all? Yeah, yeah, I think boundaries are really important. I, and I think of 
our need for forgiveness and, and the need to seek forgiveness, uh, similar to what we started off with the passage in Matthew and Jesus said, if you're leaving, uh, if, if you have a sacrifice you're putting on the altar first, leave the altar and go seek forgiveness, seek rest, make restitution, make it right with the other person. Yeah. Don't just say, hey, by you know getting things right with God, I'm fine. I don't need to deal with how this other person felt wounded by me. That, that's not a Christ-like thing to do at all. Um, and so there needs to be accountability and consequences. And I, I like to think of us all being kind of on death row. And I think of this movie that came out in the 90s called Dead Man Walking. Uh, it's an amazing movie about grace and it's based on a true story. And spoiler alert, I'm gonna give away some of the plot, but it's been 25 years since it came out. <laughs> if you haven't so, seen it now, yeah, you deserve this. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, I think that even uh, after I tell everyone what happens, it, it actually is still a great movie to watch um, and I highly recommend it. Uh, but the plot of the movie is this guy played by Sean Penn is on death row and he's allegedly has killed a couple uh, younger uh, teenage kids and he's professing his innocence saying, no, I was framed. It wasn't really me. It was this other guy. And he keeps going on about that. And a, a nun comes to minister to him in his final week of life before he's supposed to be executed. And she initially believes his innocence and she goes out to lawyers and even to the cops who initially investigated it and things like that, trying to figure out what actually happened. And you think it's going to be this movie about, you know, getting a guy off death row. But the more she investigates, the more she finds out he actually is guilty. And she comes back to him in this loving, humble posture uh, and, and talks to him about this. And the big reveal in the movie is not that he's innocent, but that he's finally willing to come to terms with his own guilt that he's finally willing to say, I did something so horrible that, 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 this is, that I truly am in the wrong here. Wow. And the big climactic moment in the movie is as he's facing his execution, the families of the, the people he killed are looking at him and he's able to look at them and say, I'm so terribly sorry for what I did. It was horribly wrong. And I hope that my death brings you a sense of peace. Wow. And it's, it's a beautiful moment of a man seeking forgiveness. And it also speaks well to how the human ego works. We all want to believe uh, that we are right and that we are innocent. Yes. And, and there's something in psychology, there's this term confirmation bias. It means that we are so set in what we already believe to be true, that we are innocent and that we are right, that even when there's hard data presented to us to the contrary, we can filter out, we can rearrange it, and this is why, you know, people who are, you know, dead set and believing something can be so hard to convince the otherwise. Well, at a certain way, we're all like this. The ego in all human beings is very good at just confirming itself, confirming, hey, I know I'm innocent. I know I'm right. Um, and the truth is we're, we're not. We're all kind of on death row. And we all have that same confirmation bias, just like he was convincing the nun, I'm so innocent. Help me get out of here. But the big reveal in our lives is, is not, hey, you're innocent. You know, Jesus didn't come to earth to say, hey, guys, I'm here to take you off death row because you're actually innocent. He's here to say, you're guilty, as guilty as can be, and I will die for you. Hmm. Um, and, and it's really important in the work of forgiveness to acknowledge that Jesus didn't come to the earth to just smile at everyone and say, hey, let's just let bygones be bygones. No. He came to earth to die a violent, bloody death on a cross. You know, the, the, the forgiveness modeled by God is a uh, difficult, hard forgiveness. Uh, that's why I said early on that Tim Keller, the Presbyterian minister, said 
the currency of forgiveness is nails and wood, because that is the currency that, uh, that God used on the cross. Um, and so it, it, it is just really important to validate forgiveness is not merely an act of letting go. That, that's an aspect of it, to, to let go of the thoughts of revenge and the resentment. But it, it doesn't mean you have to forget or belittle the thing that was done or condone somehow or minimize as those things are actually kind of contrary to a healthy forgiveness process. And in, in Christ's death and, and, and the ultimate sacrifice for our forgiveness is, is proof that forgiveness is going to cost us something. You know, like for me to go to you if I've hurt you or and go, hey, you know, I just want to walk through this or, you know, whatever. That's It feels like it may cost me my pride or it may cost me whatever, but it, it doesn't cost me my life like it did Christ. Like he set the example. He set the model. And if we're going to truly follow Christ, we've got to understand what following him is going to cost us. But I think the reality is when we truly grasp the greatness of God's gift and forgiveness to us, we'll actually pass that gift along to others. Right. So like we've been given grace and, and, and should give grace to others in return. And in Matthew six fourteen it says, for if you forgive people the wrongdoing, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. And, and it's further kind of tying us together and saying, hey, you know, I know that I need forgiveness on a regular basis. So I'm giving the very gift that I need myself. And when we minimize, like you said, or we um, forget you know, our trespasses or wrongdoings. And I can see why that conversation gets brought up in church because, you know, God does say in his word that he forgets our sins. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. Um, and so we kind of start to bring that same language in where, you know, I'm going to forget your trespasses too. Uh, but as far as I can tell, the scriptures are talking about God uh, removing our sin from us. But I think it's healthy for us to have at least some kind of remembrance of our trespasses, our sins, our wrongdoings, because if we minimize sin, it minimizes grace. If we minimize, you know, my wrongdoing, then it minimizes the impact of, of forgiveness, right? And so I don't think yeah. forgetting is the the example. Um, it's important that we right. do have some memory, not that it lords over us or puts us in a prison of shame or guilt. Um, you know, we've got to walk away from those things. But at the same time, I need to be aware of my sin so that I could be aware of God's grace. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're talking about there kind of speaks to uh, what the great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer referred to as the difference between cheap grace and real grace. Yes. That he, he thought of cheap grace as this idea of, ah, oh, just go get over it, ah, just forget about it. You know, uh, let's just act like it wasn't that big a deal. Um, and, and we can act that way towards how we wound one another, and we can act that way towards how we stand before God uh, sometimes, whereas real grace involves grief. It involves, wow, it really is that bad. It, it, it's that big reveal in the movie Dead Man Walking, I actually am guilty, and I'm going to say it publicly. And it's that moment where we say, no, I, 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 I messed up here, you know. And, and, and that's why in most liturgical most liturgical services, they walk through lament. Like that's a part of the, yeah. the worship gathering where we walk in and go, I'll admit that I'm a sinner in need of repentance, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that we absolutely need to do that. Yeah. Um, it, it, not just, of course, at the theological level, which is so well affirmed in scripture, but at the practical level. Um, I, a real symptom that I see of cheap grace when people are like, ah, oh, you know, whatever, I just want to get over it. 
um, is that they become very passive aggressive, very avoidant. They, they won't overtly talk about the way they've been wronged or hurt, but they don't mind gossiping about the other person or snubbing them somehow. And they won't ever talk about the grudge they are secretly or subconsciously holding against the other person because they don't want to. And whereas the, the person is like, no, man, it, it really hurt and we need to talk about it is probably more forgiving than the person who says, no, I just never want to bring it up again because that, that never bring it up again mentality is more conducive to cheap grace and leads yeah. more to just a fake passive aggressiveness. Yeah, because at the root of most unforgiveness is really pride. And, and I've noticed, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean that you condone what somebody else has done. It doesn't mean you shrug it off uh, because some things hurt very deeply, but forgiveness is coming to a place where you no longer allow that thing or that person to define your life because that's, that's really what ends up happening is that event, uh, especially if it's monumental, ends up defining us. And, and I don't want to be defined by my hurt. I don't want to be defined by, um, you know, my, the wounds. I, I know they're a part of my life and a part of my story, but I don't want them to define my future. And, and forgiveness kind of stops that in the process. Um, but what I found in my life is like, Ed, say you, you did something or said something to me that was hurtful. What I'll often do is I will often go to a place in my head where I start justifying it. I'll start playing in my head like, well, I should have said this or I should have gone and done this. And, and then instead of going, uh, you know, he's hurt me or if I've hurt you, instead of going, man, I hurt him. I'm in my brain kind of trying to figure out why it was OK. Right. And justify it instead of just simply walking with a posture of grace. I often walk with a posture of, of justification and that I think the root of that is also pride, um, you know, and, and, and helps me feel better about hurting you um, or helps me feel better about avoiding you. Right. And not even trying to make amends. Right. Right. And the, there's a big difference between avoiding someone before the attempt of forgiveness is made and backing off from someone if, if you have tried to make amends with them and they, and they have just uh, shown a cold heart towards you or a self-righteous heart towards you. Yeah. Um, it, Jesus actually gave us three pretty clear steps of uh, redemption. He, he teaches us in Luke 17, three, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. It's very simple. It's three steps, rebuke, repentance, forgiveness. Very often in the Christian faith, we, we accidentally fall into the rut of cheap grace. And we say, oh, you know, even if you're stating the rebuke, you're not being gracious or forgiving enough. And it's like, no, Jesus said it's okay to rebuke. In fact, he commanded it. He's like, let's say uh, somebody told a, a nasty, off-color, racist joke. And they think in their own mind, they're just having a good time. And it's just harmless humor. But it's terribly offensive. And it's not okay. And it needs to be rebuked. And of course, the person who speaks up about it, you know, uh, among the person who told the joke and people who laugh at it might think, look like a stick in the mud or somebody who's not being gracious enough. But the truth is they're following Christ. They're saying, no, I will rebuke this. I will stand up for what is right and true. I will rebuke this. Now, if the person repents, you do need to forgive. We need to say, hey, you know, we're all learning here. We all stumble. We all fall short. And we can forgive and we can learn and we can move forward. Now, if somebody doesn't repent, it doesn't mean that you can now harbor some nasty grudge or, or something towards them. You still have to hope for their eventual salvation and redemption and not harbor any bitterness towards them. But you don't have to be friends with that person. Yeah. You, you don't have to keep on making them uh, somehow see their sin or something like that. It is okay to just 
walk away from them at that to point. just release to just release that emotional <clears throat> guilt or release those bitterness or grudge and i think that's the misnomer that we have with forgiveness and and i think that's why forgiveness often ends up leaving us a little bit uh, dissatisfied is we often think that forgiveness means that everything's going to be patched back up like a 90s sitcom in 30 minutes and everything's going to go back to normal like it used to uh you know if 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 you hurt me and you know we're we're not as close as we were when we lived there but you know what i mean we're we're close as friends if you hurt me um and it was such a, a you know a deep hurt you may come and say, hey, David, I need you to forgive me, but it doesn't mean we hang out again, right? It doesn't mean things ever go back because of boundaries. And we actually had this play out in our lives uh, really recent. Um, my, one of my ch children, one of my kids, uh, got into an, uh, an altercation, got in some trouble with another kid, and, and the parents all kind of rallied around their own kid, uh, said, a, said a lot of mean things, and, and pinned a lot of, of, of what happened on, on my kid, which got us upset. And there was a lot of sort of words back and forth, and, and things got a little heated. And there was a lot of pride involved, and just a lot of, you know, on both sides, and, and it was not healthy. And, and we ended up, we were really close to these people. Um, and we ended up, you know, I ended up just saying, Hey, we need to give this some space. And, and about three months went by and, and they reached out to us and, and we've since met up with them. Um, there was, you know, a lot of talking and, and listening and a lot of apologies. Uh, but I don't know, and, and I'm kind of working this out in real time. I don't know that we're ever going to hang out like we did. I don't know that we're ever going to be able to trust our kids to be able to be together like they were. But, uh, and that's disappointing. And honestly, we've had to kind of come to terms with that. Like, that's sad that we can't get that friendship back at the level that it was um, before the, this, this infraction. But the reality is, like, there is now no longer uh, any guilt. There's no condemnation. There's no bitterness. We're not sitting around in our minds thinking, oh, we're going to get them back or, or any of those unhealthy thoughts. Um, there's some freedom there uh, to allow that relationship to maybe grow back into what it was, but there's no expectation for things to be the way they used to be. And so I think a lot of us get disillusioned with forgiveness because our expectations are maybe not grounded in, in reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, that it is healthy to, to use that word reality, that uh, we're trying to come back to reality. We're trying yeah. to let go of our, uh, in our unforgiveness or in our self-righteousness, if we are un unwilling to seek forgiveness, we spin some stories in our head. We you do. Know? And all humans are capable of that. It's not just some people, it's all people, because it's our own ego doing what the ego does, which is confirmation bias, which is like, well, I can tell a whole story about how right I am right. and how I'm actually the one being wronged here or something like that. And um, We like to play the victim. We're quick, quick yeah. to play the victim. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just caters to the human ego to do that. So it is human nature to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important, just like we've debunked, like what forgiveness isn't, it's not forgetting, it's not belittling the thing. Also, let's debunk now some lies about what it means to seek forgiveness. Yeah. Oftentimes seeking forgiveness is portrayed somehow or thought of somehow as groveling in shame you know yeah. lay yourself at the other person's feet and and roll around in the the emotional mud of your own depravity or declare you know how awful you are uh, it, it's not that you know it's not putting on some big show because that would still be all about you you know it, that doing that sort of thing is kind of wrong for the same reason that minimizing and rationalizing your own intentions is also wrong because either way you're making it all about you right yeah. 
And, and the, the true fruit of seeking forgiveness and redemption is that you're willing to let it be about the other person's hurt feelings. Let them see, see the emotional spotlight to them. So if I was the one who told some off-color joke that offended somebody, I shouldn't make some big deal groveling about how awful I am, nor should I belittle it and say, oh, you just don't understand my intentions. It's actually much more important to say, I messed up yeah. and you, you were right to feel hurt by me. You were right no. to feel wounded by me because that's rooted in your godly soul. You know, and, and I'm so sorry that I wounded you in that way and I wanna to try to make it right somehow. So you, you further explore that and you open up the, the grounds for them to then tell more of their story from their perspective and you restore empathy. Yeah. And this is what we talked about in our last podcast. Empathy is a huge part of what it means to love thy neighbor. And real forgiveness and real redemption is about rebuilding bridges and rebuilding empathy. So really seeking forgiveness is just a, primarily about loving and validating the other person. And I think that's the complexity that we're experiencing right now in our current society is, you know, sometimes we may do or say something that we didn't mean to be offensive or we didn't mean, you know, we kind of live in a, a society now where everyone's just waiting to be offended. And so it's really hard to know, like, when do we say sorry? When do we feel guilty? When do we, you know, explain ourselves? And, and sometimes, like you said, maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it's just saying, hey, I realize what I did um, offended you or hurt you. And, and I didn't didn't intend for that to be the case, but it did. And that alone is enough for me to feel bad. Like, I didn't mean to you know, just maybe it's just, I'm sorry, you know, but it is very challenging to navigate that right now. It feels like it's more challenging now than it's ever been where everyone is just sort of waiting to be offended. And so uh, I do think as we, we walk in a posture of forgiveness, we've got to realize there are going to be things that we do and say that we didn't intend to hurt, but they're going to hurt. Yeah. And it's so important to be able to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and rather than minimize or rationalize, say, no, I think, I think it's important that they, being a child of God, creating his image, feel hurt, that, that perhaps there's at least some validity to that. Yeah. And so often, and this is what I said early on, that part of forgiving is being willing to accept that the other person's journey is not going to be in lockstep, that we may still walk away with slightly different narratives about what happened. Yeah. And there can be a sort of narrative legalism of you have to completely agree with every detail of my version of how right. things happened in my perspective. And that's actually self-righteousness, regardless of which side of that we're on. Yeah. So a big part of forgiving and seeking forgiveness is being willing to validate that there can be different perspectives on the same thing. They can both have some truth and some validity to them. Yeah. You know, it, a, a good way to um, express a need for forgiveness is not to say, I was so horrible. It's like, I realize you were wounded in that situation and I'm sorry for the role that I played in it. Right. You know, you may feel like they're exaggerating the role you played in it, um, but, but you don't have to say that. Yes. You can say, I realize that I am partially responsible for this, this injury you feel. And I am sorry for that. Now, to what degree, whether we're 60% responsible or 30% responsible, is not something we will ever be able to perfectly hash out. You know, that's why they say the devil is in the details. He's going to pull yes. out this date. Like, I don't think they've fully bought into your narrative. Right. There, buddy. right. And, uh, and the devil whispers that into our ears. We need to rebuke him. We yeah. need to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to choose to love my neighbor. That's what I'm going to do here. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. It is hard. 
the currency of forgiveness is nails and wood. You know, it's, it is. It's like, oh, you know, but I, I'm going to choose to love this person. So good. Well, and, and my goal and, and, and my hope, I guess, in, in all of this is that when we get banged around and hurt and wounded, that our immediate response is true and genuine forgiveness. And um, I think for many of us, the hardest person to forgive is really ourselves. Like giving forgiveness to others sometimes becomes easier than than letting ourselves off the hook. Uh, and and I know I'm I'm kind of one that kind of beats myself up a lot. Like oh, I can't believe I did that, or I can't believe I said that, or you know I can't believe you know I've fallen for that or whatever. And, and I think we're very hard on ourselves. And and if we can't forgive ourselves, we're never going to be able to forgive others, right? I mean, if we can't come to a place where we are able to you know, let ourselves off the hook sometimes, knowing that when we seek forgiveness from God, you know, he, he's removes that sin from us and he removes those things from us. We've got to sometimes let, um, let ourselves be forgiven. Right. Right. And, and it's important to think about what happens since restoration and rebuilding bridges really requires uh, a two ways. It requires the other person to be open to it as well. It's important to talk about what happens when the other person isn't open to it. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's real. That's real. Yeah, um, it happens. And so it, let's talk about both ends of that. You know, if we're seeking forgiveness, if, if we messed up and, and we, we seek forgiveness, but the other person just doesn't, isn't happening, you know, like, no, no way, dude, you, right. you know, they just want to give us the cold shoulder. It's like, well, if it, if you have expressed that you realize that you did something wrong and that you've shown you're open to reconciliation and redemption and restitution, you've done your piece. You know, you don't have to keep uh, beating that dead horse, so to speak. Yeah. You, you, you've shown that and you've shown them, you've made it clear that the door is open to rebuilding bridges and, you know, if and when they are ready. It's so important not to force that. You know, sometimes when people seek forgiveness from somebody, they they put the other person on the spot and say, do you forgive me? Like right here, right, right now, you need to declare it. And it really is unfair to the other person because they're on their own kind of journey. It's a and demand. It's complex. a demand. And that's not healthy. It's, it's a demand. That's exactly right. And and, um, and so it's so important to just give them space and show patience. And they may be cold towards you for a while. Uh, yeah. You can't control them. You can't force them. Just make it clear that you're open to reconciliation if and when they're ready and give them time to heal. And, and yep. beyond that, the ball is in their court, right? Um, and that's exactly what happened with, with the family that we were in conflict with is the immediate response from them was, we need to work this out. Here's the biblical way we need to do it. And, and we need to figure this out. And we were kind of the ones that were on the, the other side going, ah, we need a little space. And, and fortunately, they honored that space. And I think that's what gave us room to heal because had they have pushed or had they have continued to demand, it would have just caused further hurt. Um, but giving that space is, it seems risky. You know what I mean? It seems a little risky to go, I'm going to give that space for them to get ready for forgiveness because we want immediate results. We want constant and immediate results. Um, and that's not always the case with forgiveness, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on the flip side of that, what happens when uh, we, we want to forgive someone, but they show no recognition of the fact that they did something wrong? Yeah. You know, some people will even go so far as to say, forgive me for what? You know, I've done nothing wrong here, man. Right. You know, I, and they'll even kind of get in your face about it. Um, I, I've even seen this sometimes in Christians that will say, oh, the fact that you're even bringing this up means you're being unforgiving. And they show no willingness to take any responsibility for their actions or validate the other person's feelings at all. And it's so important. I, I think this was well modeled by Jesus himself when he returned to his hometown of Nazareth. 
they tried to kill him, right? Mm. They, you know, he goes back, the, the son of God returns to his hometown where he grew up, right? And you think they would, yep. you know, they would celebrate. Welcome, right. but, but they demonstrate their, their own human depravity and they, you know, they, they treat him like a false prophet. Uh, they, they treat him with resentment and they, they try to push him off a cliff and stem him. They try to kill him. Now, <clears throat> let's pay close attention to what Jesus didn't do in that situation. He didn't call down wrath you know, angelic hordes to slay them or lightning strikes or meteors upon the crowd and say, I condemn you to, to, to right. hell. You know, he also, let's, you know, flip that to the other extreme. He didn't win them over with some charismatic monologue yeah. and, and such that they were all then falling flat on their face saying, oh, you're so right, we're in the wrong here. You know, he didn't winsomely win them over. He literally just calmly walked through the crowd and walked away from them, yeah. you know, and that is the forgiving thing. He didn't force anything upon them. He didn't convict them one way or the other. He just walked away. And not only does he model that, he commended it of his disciples. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, he talks about when the, the disciples are going out doing evangelism, if they're rejected or treated coldly by a town. He, you know, he doesn't say, now stick it out, really make sure you, you drill it into them. He, right. says, he says, knock the dust off your feet and yep. leave that. You yep. know walk away from the toxic situation uh, because there will be situations in your life and people in the role that they play in your life that truly is toxic, that no amount of, hey, can we please hash this out or talk this out will ever bring it home. Um, and the, the beautiful thing about walking away is that sometimes those people, when they see someone walking away from them, do eventually come to realize, oh man, I messed up. It might take them months, it might take them years, uh, but it's not something that can be forced upon them in a brief concise sort of way and so truly sometimes walking away is the most forgiving thing we can do it is because yeah. we can only be responsible for so much like i can only be responsible for my actions my behavior my thought life and so you know say you were to wound me deeply i go to you or yeah maybe i wound you and i go to you and say hey you know i need you to forgive me i can only be responsible for my posture i can't force you into uh, bending to my will or, or doing what I hope. And so we have to take responsibility for what we can do. Um, and that's not a pride thing. Like, well, I, I tried, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm moving on the dust, your, just the shake the dust off your feet. Isn't necessarily, it will forget them, but it is that, Hey, I legitimately came to a place where I tried and I'm going to move forward. Um, and I think that's, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. And it has to happen sometimes uh, without burning bridges, without, you know, um, you know, doing further damage. We just say, hey, let's give that space. Uh, and, and again, we've seen this play out in our life. And, and that was the healthiest thing we needed was that space. And we came around to a place where we were ready to, you know, walk through that process of, of forgiveness and seeking forgiveness. Um, and, and sometimes space works out and sometimes it doesn't. But we can only be responsible for our own actions, behavior and, and, and mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's often a mutual sort of thing. Uh, in walking away from a toxic situation, we're also sort of showing a little bit of grace yeah. to the other person that we're not going to keep drilling it into them. Uh, e even though they may very well be in the wrong, uh, we, we are, we're, we're also not going to force ourselves to act like we're still best friends with them. You know, because that, that becomes fake, it becomes forced. Um, and and I, I think one last topic that we can cover here is that what happens when 
we both have hurt each other. Like to come back to that, that hypothetical situation, what if you and I just got into it some ugly yeah. kind of way? And it's and and sometimes this happens within families or between literal neighbors who live right across the street from each other. We're walking away from each other is a lot easier said than done because yes. you're still right there with each other. Or that person that hurt you is your parent, you know, that you've hurt each other. And it's like, well, they're still your parent. And as you grow up, they become your the grandchild grandparents of your kids, you know. And so yeah. there's this ongoing relationship that you cannot walk away from. Right. And this is why, you know, we do some complex family restitution and therapy because you know, completely walking away isn't always an option, right? Yep. Uh, so when there's this mutual need for forgiveness, it's really important to take turns sharing, mm. to, to let each person have their time to share their pain and, and tell a bit of their story and to receive some empathy over it. It's, it's really key to practice the psychological art of delay of gratification. The ability to say, hey, sit down with the other person and think to myself, I know I feel wounded too here. I know I, I, you know, we can all say, hey, I only said that thing to you because you said this other thing to me first. Right. That's the constant thing that comes up in argument. It's like, hey, you're cherry picking out something I said. There was a whole context of you. You said things to me before I even said that to you. Right. Or you did things before I did that to you. Now, come on. You know, and and the truth is rebuilding uh, and restoring empathy with somebody is kind of like solving a Rubik's cube. You know, a Rubik's cube has colors on, on each side, but then they get all scrambled up. That's what happens in our hurt feelings and the chaos and the frustration we feel when we're wounded is the colors of our emotions get all scrambled up and we're like, I'm not even sure what I'm feeling. I'm confused, I'm frustrated, yeah. but it's yeah. not even clear. It's not even clean. And so we're trying to solve a Rubik's cube with the other person. Can we rebuild empathy? Can we validate where the anger is valid? Can we validate where the fear and the sadness are valid? And can we restore joy together? Now, that's hard enough to do just for one person's pain when you're rebuilding empathy. Trying to do it multiple people, like two or three people who have all hurt each other, all talking at the same time, is like trying to solve Rubik's cubes while juggling them. You know, yep. it's yep. it's just it's impossible. You're probably gonna you know drop them on the floor, break them. It's gonna get real ugly. <laughs> and so it's real important to say we're gonna work on your Rubik's cube today, you know, or in this part of the conversation, and in a latter part of the conversation, maybe on a different day. That's when we're gonna share. I'm also gonna share my pain, you know, because. Because every person's pain is valid, right? Yes. We're, we're each going to say, hey, you know, well, we're going to take time with you too. Uh, and we realize that all of these things are kind of connected. And even though we can all say, hey, I only dare said that because you said or did this other thing first. Let's just hit pause on that and say, no. I do realize you feel wounded by me. And I'm sorry for the role I played in that. You know, and, and we're going to sit with that and let the other person have their emotional journey, their, have their time in the emotional spotlight. And then we will shift the spotlight to the other person to say, you know, and here's where, now, now, now that we've covered that, now here's where I feel wounded too, right? And that's the sort of journey that can bring apart, you know, this one Rubik's Cube at a time, we're going we're gonna to solve it, we're going to patiently do it, um, not all on top of each other. And if we don't do that well, we end up causing further hurt, further damage, and further pain. And and that's not the goal. I don't think that's the goal that that any of us have, um, because forgiveness is kind of a reset in in some ways. And it does kind of it, forgiveness when done well kind of prevents further hurts in and at least with that specific incident. And so I mean that's that's I think our goal is to to walk with a posture of forgiveness, to to walk in the healthiest possible way, so that we can 
um, ideally repair some of these relationships that have been damaged, but also understand moving forward in the future, there's going to be a lot of propensity for hurt. And so we have to be very careful that, um, you know, we're quick to forgive as, as we hope Christ is, and we know Christ is quick to forgive us. Yeah. 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 I kind of want to end, uh, well, from my part on, uh, the verse from Colossians three thirteen, where it's commanded bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I like how it starts with bear with each other. That's good. You know, like we're bearing our cross. This is hard yeah. work. It really is. And it should be validated. I'm very, I do that a lot as a therapist. I validate, uh, this forgiveness journey, it is hard work. It feels hard because it is hard. And that's being validated in scripture. And it, it's so important to realize forgiveness is very difficult, but it's absolutely worth it. And it's ultimately really beautiful in the redemption it can bring about in our lives in both a practical and a spiritual way. That's so good. And I just had this conversation with my son this morning on the way to school where I was dropping him off. And I'm like, the older I get, the more I'm aware that everybody's hurting. Like we're all hurting at different levels with different things. And when hurt people come into contact with hurt people, there's propensity for, for further hurt. And so just being aware that, hey, you may have lashed out at me, but most likely you were lashing out from a place of your own hurt, you know, and being aware that we're kind of all clashing into each other. When in reality, when we recognize that, we can start helping one another and, and realizing even if you lashed out, there's got to be, you know, something going on. And, and so we've got to work together to help bring healing uh, to one another. And so, I mean, that's our, our, our family goal has been, I don't want to walk into a grocery store and see someone and have to walk away or see someone and feel uncomfortable. Like we may not be great friends with everybody, but we just don't want to leave open wounds uh, because there's just too much room for um, infection. And uh, yeah, so that's our that's our goal. I mean, forgiveness is such a such a difficult thing uh, because it fights against the I think most of our, if not all of our human nature. And uh, it's just such a tricky topic. It's it's definitely one I'm glad we're tackling. Uh, are there any further thoughts before we close it up? No, I think we've we've uh, completely covered everything there is to we've say. Exhausted about it. the topic. <laughs> <laughs> if we still have Not someone listening, we're proud. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's good to end on a note of humility. You know, we're yeah. we're a, a pastor and a therapist, but we're also just two guys uh, who are you know still figuring this out in our own lives. And this is this is an open ended discussion. And uh, I think it's it's uh, just so good, even for us, such a privilege to be able to have this dialogue about the practical and theological. Uh, and psychological components of forgiveness. And, and I think as we move forward in this podcast, we'll probably revisit forgiveness and, and be able to flesh this out in more depth. It's such a big part of our lives. And yet I think the best place we can open, we can start and we can end is just with the admission that we all struggle with it. That it is something we yeah. all struggle with. Uh, but like I said in the beginning, we're going to embrace the struggle because we understand the value. So we want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And certainly if you find value in this podcast and the content of the podcast, we invite you to share it with others, uh, rate and review the podcast. Uh, these things really help us as we continue to provide encouragement and, and further content. And we do anticipate continuing to provide you with uh, at least our conversation on some of these difficult uh, but important uh, aspects of life. So we want to thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to, uh, to meeting with you again uh, via podcast. Thanks so much, Ed. We'll, uh, join jump in again here in a couple weeks or maybe next week i think that's the deal our goal is to provide content as often as we can there you go so we'll see you uh soon